The newest football power index from ESPN is giving one Big Ten team a whole lot of love, but leaves the rest of the conference out to dry. You are locked on Big Ten, your daily podcast on the Big Ten Conference, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, you're tuned into Locked On Big Ten. I'm your host, Nate Dickinson. Thanks for making Locked On Big Ten your first listen every day of the week. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube, too. Be sure to follow along at Locked On Big Ten. That's T or a one zero at the end, not T-E-N, wherever it is that you get your podcasts on YouTube and on Twitter, too. Again, I'm Nate Dickinson. Coming up on today's show... We're going to get into some of the latest predictions from ESPN on both the hardwood and the gridiron. ESPN has its latest football power index rankings out that we'll start off the show with here today. And also Joe Lenardi has released his first way, way too early 2024 bracketology that includes nine Big Ten teams. So we've got plenty to get to here on the show today. But before we get into the stuff on the basketball side, let's start with football. The football power index out from ESPN and some surprising numbers out here as we go top to bottom as well. First of all, it's not an SEC team at the top. Namely, it's not Georgia at the top. It's Ohio State. According to ESPN's FBI, the Buckeyes are number one in their analytics rankings with what is a 37% chance to win the whole thing right now. If you're wondering, The next two are Georgia and Alabama, and those three teams, at least according to what the numbers say right now, have a combined 76% chance to win the whole thing. That's how far and away better at least ESPN's rankings think they are than everybody else. If you're wondering, Michigan comes in at number six in this FPI. They have a 4% chance to win the national title, which is for me an outrage. And that's my point I want to get to here is that while Ohio State has a plenty talented team coming back this season, there's a clear, clear bias that's going to still be there for the Buckeyes in these analytics. And this FPI number, I think, exemplifies that more than anything else. I think that as a whole, not everyone, but in a general consensus, I think you could get people to agree that the narrative has shifted as far as Michigan versus Ohio State goes. Michigan's won twice, and the way that they've won twice changes, I think, the way that people think about how they go into that game. The second time, especially now, I think everyone's going to go into this Michigan-Ohio State matchup and actually be saying, hey, this is a game that could go either way. Well, even after Michigan had won that first one, I think everyone was still expecting Ohio State to win going into the next round here most recently. Now I think that the public, at least, perception of this rivalry has changed. I don't think it's changed as far as the advanced metrics go, all of these analytics that we're going to see throughout the season. And part of that has to do with the fact that on paper, Ohio State is still incredibly good. They're still pulling in the best recruiting classes. Two losses against Michigan doesn't take away from the domination they've had on paper everywhere else. 
And even before that, of course, they were then beating Michigan, and it wasn't all that long ago that Ohio State just ran the Big Ten and a lot of college football. So there's plenty for the advanced analytics to overcome for the numbers to really change in their perception of Michigan against Ohio State. But still, this is staggering stuff here. To say that Michigan only has a 4% chance to win that title after being so close to making it to the title game last season and returning its quarterback and running backs to the core of that offense. And that's one of the things that ESPN cites in explaining the FPI is that Ohio State has outside of the quarterback position that is still a question mark, the most returning talent in all of football on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, we already know the names, Zygmunt Buka, uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. These are players who are going to be good, no matter who's under center at Ohio State. I don't disagree with that. But I think that the numbers are a bit behind when it comes to this rivalry in particular and where both these programs are. I'd say it's not giving enough respect nearly to Michigan and what was it, it's been able to do recently. If you want to put Ohio State at the top, I understand. That's fine. Yes, this team's plenty good. And there's plenty of talent and numbers on paper to support that they're going to be just as good as they have been, if not better, this season. But Michigan has earned the right to be in that kind of a conversation, too. And at the very least, they've earned to be in that top tier where Alabama, where Georgia, where Ohio State are. And for some reason, the advanced numbers at ESPN, at the very least, have not caught up with them. And I would expect that to remain a trend into this season. The stuff that we say, and maybe let's say like the AP polls, where people are actually voting on things, will probably have Michigan getting an advantage. But the advanced analytics that go back and look at the stats from previous seasons, or even just look at the stats from this season, if Ohio State still has that powerhouse offense we expect, there's going to be plenty of times where the numbers will say Ohio State's the better team still, even though I think the narrative has changed for people like us when we talk about Michigan against Ohio State. But this just a dramatic example of Michigan being undervalued by the numbers here. The reason why Ohio State's put at the top, by the way, again, according to ESPN, is because their offense is like a decent margin ahead of where everybody else's offense is, according to the analytics. And they're third in defense behind Alabama and Georgia, but apparently it's a smaller margin. So Ohio State gets the trump card and takes the number one spot. Michigan's at number six. Penn State's at number 10, which is just another example for me of a Big Ten team and the Big Ten in general not getting the respect it probably deserves. Yes, everybody in the West has been a little bit messy right now, but those three teams have earned to be higher than where they are, again, aside from Ohio State. Michigan and Penn State are both teams that have performed well and are looking to be just as good, if not better, this upcoming season. And I'm sure there's other teams that are going to argue the same thing up there at the top. But I feel like the Big Ten, especially at this point, after coming off of getting two teams into the college football playoff, has earned a little bit more respect from something even as numerical as the FBI. Give, go to a different formula if you need to realize that these Big Ten teams are a little bit better than where they're being ranked right now. It's pretty much a consensus that Michigan's better than six and Penn State's better than 10 by everyone who likes to think that they know the stuff. But again, the computers aren't quite there yet. We'll talk more about that later on. Again, Michigan 
sixth in the national FPI rankings right now. But if you want to go put a bet on them at the moment, they are at FanDuel at plus 1,000, the fourth best odds of any team in the country to win the national championship. And FanDuel, you can find all of those odds and more on just about anything you would want to put your money on. The NBA playoffs are here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet of up to $1,000 back if your first bet doesn't hit. All you have to do is go over to FanDuel.com slash locked on, sign up through our site, and then get your first bet with no sweat going your way with a 100% chance to get your money back and up to $1,000 with your no sweat first bet. I messed up the wording there before. A no sweat first bet over at fanduel.com slash locked on. You can go place your bet on anything that you like, whether it be NBA playoffs, the MLB season's in full swing. They're playing playoffs on the ice too as well. You can bet all of it and more over at fanduel.com slash locked on to get that no sweat first bet over at FanDuel. Make every moment more at FanDuel official sports betting partner of the NBA. Speaking of basketball, let's talk about what's going on in the Big Ten on the hardwood. Joe Lenardi has released his first projections for the 2024 NCAA tournament bracket. We're going to get to that in a second. But first, the biggest news of the offseason so far in Big Ten basketball, Zach Eady has declared for the NBA draft, but... He is still maintaining college eligibility. So what does this mean for what he'll do here in the next couple of months and his chances to actually come back to Purdue? I want to start by saying that, first off, I don't think that this declaration is really changing anything that we think about what Zach Eady is going to do here. I think that he knows right now what his value is as a draft prospect I don't think he's going to hear anything from any of these scouts in the NBA that are going to tell him anything that he doesn't kind of already know, that he's a really, really elite college player who has some good post skills, but is kind of just too slow to be in the NBA. He's huge. He's huge. And someone's going to bite on that and give him a chance and he'll go somewhere. But at the moment, he's not a first round kind of selection. He's like end of the draft if you want to take a shot on him and not take the risk of not being able to get him as an undrafted guy really that's when you go after Zach Eady so I don't think that he is going to say have some sort of scout tell him oh someone's going to use the first round pick on you that's not what's going to happen so I don't see him really really hinging anything on this decision to actually go to the draft he could still go he could still come back it's not like this really changes anything itself however with this decision i want to take a more formal look at what exactly the options are that zach e has and why i think at least it makes more sense for him to come back and play again at purdue for another year but let's just start off with the two options that Edie has here Right now, he can go to the NBA, of course. Keep himself eligible in the draft. Maybe get himself drafted. If he doesn't get himself drafted, get himself signed as an undrafted free agent. Go over to the G League where he'd probably start there. I'd imagine he'd be able to play pretty well in the G League. And maybe, maybe at some point, get himself some NBA action sometime soon. At the moment, his ceiling as a player is 
really somebody who just is a big body that you can plug into a few minutes a game in an NBA in an NBA game. And that isn't something that is going to change over the course of from today to the next year's draft. So on that side of it, when you're talking about draft prospects and draftability, he'll be a year older next year, yes. But it's not like he's really going to do anything over the next year, barring injury, that's going to have people thinking he's any more or less of a player. And it's not like that year that he loses is a year of development that he's losing in the NBA. I don't think teams are looking at Zach Eady as a guy and saying, oh, this is someone we can mold into some sort of super quick center down low who can be a 7-4 guy that actually runs in this league. I don't think that's what people are thinking of him as a prospect as. So if you look at it from that point, if the opportunity is going to be there on the table to do basically the same thing in the NBA next season, then you can look more at this Purdue option more seriously and say, okay, what's the opportunity here? First off, he has an opportunity to make money. Yes, he would make money in the NBA. Yes, he would probably make more money in the NBA. I don't know the exact numbers behind that. But he does have an opportunity here at Purdue as well to, A, continue to make the NIL money he's been making on a local level, which I imagine is about as good as it gets for the Purdue area in West Loft. But also, he has a chance to make a little bit more money with things on a national scale now. Because over the course of this last season, he made a name for himself across college basketball. But now he's the National Player of the Year. And I'd imagine with that comes a little bit more opportunity to do things on a national level, even if he is a big guy and big guys generally don't sell as well. So the money opportunity is there. Also, the meaningful impact it being one of the greatest that Purdue has ever had, that opportunity is there too. Not only as the individual and the statistics he can put up, because he's already been a national player of the year, but he can make a real, real mark by bringing Purdue to the promised land that they have not been in so long. And that's not even just winning a national championship. If Purdue just makes the final four, Edie would have taken that team there for the first time since 1980. If Purdue wins a national championship, he becomes a legend on that campus forever. But even if they just make it to that last weekend, it's the first time Matt Painter would have ever been there. Gene Keady was never there. And Purdue would have been, at least for a moment, back on the top of the college basketball world in a way they haven't been really, really seriously in a long, long time. Because, I mean, even this last season, Purdue was there. And Purdue was convincing for a lot of the year. But by the time we got to the end of the season and into March, everyone was thinking, well, yeah, this Purdue team may just end up disappointing us again. And they did in one of the biggest ways. So there's the opportunity to leave the mark there, to become a Purdue legend, and of course for redemption too. And I'm sure it's a little bit threatening, the idea that you would come back and potentially fail again and have to go through all this again. But if you ask me, he has little to lose as far as what he can do as a pro basketball player afterwards. And so, so much to gain in what he could potentially get in NIL money right now but also an endorsement money. If he, Again, if he wins a national championship at Purdue, I mean, this is money way, way down the road that isn't really actually anything other than hypothetical right now. But 
if he wins a national title at Purdue, he's got some sort of local commercial around West Lafayette for the rest of his life. And a statue, probably, at some point. But that's the kind of stuff. That's the kind of stuff that he can get if he stays, that he can't get if he goes to the NBA. And that's the kind of stuff that I think could legitimately pull Zach Eady back into this. Because he seems like someone who, I mean, it has been really, really shaken up and affected by these last couple of years of losses. And I would believe if he wants to come back, that he would do so and be able to bring that team to where it needs to go. Because you can say as much as you want about Purdue actually just not being able to get it done because of the way that they play basketball. But if he comes back, it's him, those two backcourt freshmen who will now be sophomores and have another full offseason under their belt to grow. That's something that we'll talk about in the bracketology in a second. Joe Lenardi said pushes Purdue up to the top of the bracket if Zach Eady comes back. So that's the kind of stuff that he has waiting for him back at West Lafayette. And it's a legitimate pull, a legitimate reason to be excited if you're Zach Eady and thinking about doing this, which if you ask me, he should be. All right, now let's get into the latest in bracketology or the earliest, I guess, in bracketology for next season. Joe Lenardi has already released a way too early field of 68 for the 2024 NCAA tournament. And we've got nine Big Ten teams mentioned. The top one is not the Purdue Boilermakers. Lenardi, as I already said, said that if Zach Eady comes back, the Boilermakers could be the top team in all the country. But right now, the top team in the Big Ten and the number one seed, according to Lenardi, is the Michigan State Spartans. This is the team that's going to be hyped up going into next season out of the Big Ten. I think this team, similarly to I thought of... Uh, Michigan in 2021 and 22 going into that season. Preseason number six, but a team that really hasn't proven itself quite yet and is going off of potential talent over what we've actually seen on the floor. Now, hopefully, they're able to actually execute in a way that Michigan was not able to in that season. And Michigan State can be a really, really exciting team. And then hopefully also we get Zach Eady back, and then you've got yourself a couple of top-tier teams in the Big Ten. Because that's something I've really, really been missing over the last few years of Big Ten basketball. We got Purdue at the top this season, and we had other teams flirting around there, of course, as he always do. But to get a couple of teams that are just clear powerhouses, not only in the Big Ten, but just nationally, and to have those teams going at it in conference play every single night, a couple of times a week at least, those are the kind of Big Ten games and seasons that I'm looking forward to having again. Hopefully Michigan State lives up to the billing. Hopefully Purdue is as good as it can be with or without Edie. And we get ourselves a couple of good Big Ten teams. Because even without Edie right now, Lenardi has Purdue as a two seed in this tournament bracket. Then there's a drop off. Maryland is listed as a six seed. Wisconsin as a seven. Rutgers as a 10. Illinois is listed as a 10 seed and one of the last four buys in. So last eight teams into the tournament. Ohio State is one of the last four in, and Michigan is listed as the last team in, and Ohio State and Michigan both playing in play-in games as a result. As far as teams just barely missing, Northwestern's listed as the first four out team, and Iowa's listed in the next four out. So that's 11 teams overall from the Big Ten mentioned, nine of them in the field. That is the most of any conference in the country that Lenardi has right now. 
two more actually than anyone in the country. So big representation by the Big Ten, but as a whole, a whole really shift of all the Big Tens, I'd say back another step into this kind of field of mediocrity where you have a team or two in the Big Ten that's projected to at least move on to that second weekend, and we have that here. But like we saw in the NCAA tournament here this year, and as we're seeing in this projection here, aside from those top couple of teams, Big Ten has a lot of teams in there, but there are a lot of teams in that 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 range where, yeah, they could get a little bit feisty and win a couple of games. But we're not really thinking of them as contenders. We're not thinking of them as teams that could even get a little bit frisky and potentially make a real run into the Final Four, let's say. Because those teams don't come around all those often from those seed spots. They're the most memorable ones when they do. But when we're talking about making real national championship contenders, you want to have like a top five seed here. And the Big Ten, according to Bracketology, and rightfully so, given what they've done in the tournament in recent years, has been able to get one or two teams up in that range. But just about everybody else it's been agreed upon is not in that kind of a status where they can really make a real run. Maybe they can pull off some sort of upset and get to the Sweet 16. But the ability to really, really threaten to take home the whole thing just isn't there outside of those two or one or three top teams in the Big Ten. And you can't blame everybody for thinking that with what the Big Ten has done as of late. Michigan State's been confirmed as the hyped Big Ten team of the season. That's the one we didn't have going into this season. When I've talked about it before, I've been saying the last couple of years, yeah, there's been good Big Ten teams, but there hasn't been anybody going into this season. Like Indiana was at like 13 or 14 going into the year. And that was who we thought was going to be, all right, this is the team that could carry the Big Ten. This year we're going to have, if not Purdue with Zach Eady, we will have Michigan State as okay, this is a team that we can get really, really hyped up about as we get ready for the next winter and to hopefully finally break this streak without a national title. So we'll see what ends up happening, of course. But for now, we have the latest from the predictions and the smart minds coming our way over at ESPN. As we get into the rest of things here and wrap up on Locked On Big Ten, be sure to tune in tomorrow. We're going to be going deeper into transfer portal stuff, both on the gridiron and on the hardwood, as we take a deeper dive into who has done what and what still needs to be done. We'll talk about that next time here on Locked On Big Ten. As we get into news from around the Big Ten today, Brian Hartline has been in the news as of late, the Ohio State coach has admitted that he had been drinking prior to his UTV crash earlier this year. The department over there has not determined, police department over there, not athletic department, police department has not determined if a criminal offense occurred. And also in other football news, Michigan State football has added for way down on the schedule, Western Michigan. They'll play Michigan State in both 2028 and 2031. In recruiting news, some commitments to tell you about 2024 four-star offensive tackle Donovan Harbor has committed to Penn State. He had offers from all over. The offensive lineman getting offers from in the Big Ten, Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, Iowa, Michigan State, Ohio State, Nebraska, Purdue. You can throw in names like Auburn, Tennessee, other big names around the country in there too. The six foot three, 310 lineman though chooses Penn State over all of them. 
In other news, three-star athlete Brevin Dahl has committed to Iowa. He had other offers from Minnesota and Purdue. Also, three-star safety DeMond Marable has committed to Purdue. He had other Big Ten offers from Minnesota. That's all for Locked On Big Ten. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. For your second listen, check out our brand new podcast, Locked On College Basketball. Experts Isaac Shade and Andy Patton bring you everything you need to know on and off the court. Plus, hear from big name experts, coaches, and players throughout the basketball landscape. Locked On College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts.